He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bellotified. This is producer D'Angelo, and I'm here to give you the second part of Anthony and Alex's interview with Chef Andrew Spurgeon. If you are just joining us today for the first time, please go back on your podcast streaming app to part one of Saying Grace with Andrew Spurgeon. Where last we left off, Anthony was asking Chef Andrew about how he felt about dietary restrictions. Without further ado, here's your show. So, so what are your thoughts on today's dietary restrictions? Honestly? Uh, yeah. Are they stifling? Are they challenging, oh, yeah. but not impossible? Easy peasy? What is it? No, no. Uh, stifling left the building a long time ago. Great. And I have nothing against anybody's diets. I can to- totally sympathize with things. Like I can't personally eat crab, which is something that I recently found out, which is heartbreaking because it's one of my favorite things. And, um, so I, I, I definitely acknowledge that and will make every effort to accommodate. But I think when it gets too much of a lot, it, it makes your job so, so hard. I mean, it really, really does. When you get a list of, I can't have onions, I can't have garlic, so does that person. I'm a vegan or I'm this or I'm that. Again, nothing wrong with any of it. But I, I, I did an event for, oh, I don't remember, I mean, it was quite a few years ago. It was like around 40 people. And again, I sketch everything out. So all these things are stuck on the wall and then the, everything's sent to the front of house people and everything's sent to the back of house people ahead of time. So they arrive not only having a menu in hand, they also have you know, what that plate's gonna look like and where things go. It's just a good way to communicate. But literally, I'm serving this thing, and there were so many different dietary restrictions. And I've got all these pictures on the wall, and I almost lost it. I mean, not lost it in an anger sense, but I, I, I almost literally was losing track about what was plate was getting what. And it became, um, it, I mean, we got it out. It was great. And, you know, the client was happy. Everything was happy. But I said, you know, I, I, can't, I can't go through that. Again, it's painstaking, way too much work, and it's really hard to charge for, and it's it's uh, it complicates things, really complicates things, you know. So I don't know if that answers your question. Usually, what no, we no, do, go ahead. Yeah, usually what we do for a larger party is we will give them the option of people don't eat enough chicken, and I'm telling you, a good a, a good real chicken. It's actually great, but there's a connotation to serving that at, say, a gala. I mean, most people won't do it. But, you know, so we usually give them a choice. Okay, do you want fish or beef? You know, you get the little thing and you check it off. But what we do do is we make the vegetarian, vegan, dairy-free, vegetarian, and I'm sure I'm missing something, gluten-free. Did I say that? Mm -hmm. It, It incorporates everything. So when we're trying to get plates 
you know, for several hundred people out of a kitchen or, or even less, it's irrelevant, really. It, it's so much easier. Mm. You've got you, your bases covered, basically. You've got, you, you hopefully mm. right. you've got your bases covered. And then, you know, in the time when, when there's someone who has a really, um, especially for small parties, like if there's one person where usually the conversation goes something like this, oh, well, one of my guests is allergic to this, that, and um, can't eat this, but he or she is really cool. They don't want you to go out of your way. You know, it, it, it's okay because they're used to kind of working around a menu. So when that happens, I'll definitely go out of my way because that one person is going to get a plate that is reflected by his or her diet that is on par with what everyone else is eating. And you, you just get a bean. You get like, like a, they're, they just are like, wow, you... Especially the ones that aren't entitled. Remember you talked about that? Right. The entitlement, right. please. Oh my gosh, help. Right. But, but the the ones that they're so appreciative. Was it effort? Yeah. It's more effort. But I think the end of the, at the end of the day, what's our job is to put that smile on the face that we started right. this with. Right, right. And it works. You're right about that. It releases endorphins. And mm -hmm. it, it's a, it's an extremely healthy thing to do especially when you're down is just make yourself smile we use so many muscles when we smile it's yes. just with crying yeah. crying from pain the chemical makeup of your tears are different than crying for joy I'll yes checked on that there's also so much joy in the process of trying to surprise someone who has very little expectation there's so much more freedom and joy in that than there is in feeling stifled by somebody's request, yep. you know, which is, which happens when it's sort of foisted upon you or expected, or there's a sense of entitlement behind yep. you. Just the way you receive that information is different, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, I don't fire clients, but I do say no a lot in a, in a very nice way. And I always will give them an out. I'll always find two or three other choices of, of a direction that might, you know, might be a good way to go. Um, <laughs> this one, one lady, I, I swear, it was just like classic. So I was doing her, her, this was years and years ago. I was doing our wedding and it finally got to the point where, and I, I, as we were talking before the show, I don't do weddings. I literally have done one wedding in 12 years. And, uh, at any rate, um, so we're talking and she just was so micromanaging and so everything, everything, mm -hmm. everything. I, I had to have that conversation with her, you know, where you, uh, will, you will you allow me to be frank and honest with you? And mm -hmm. the yes comes. You say, I really appreciate where you're going with, with what you want to do. I just feel that we, unfortunately, are, are, are not a good mix. I don't think I'm going to be able to produce what you want. And you're not going to want what I produce in the relationship that we are now. And she got really upset. I mean, mad, mad, and basically hung up on me. But I, I mean, I said it as gently as possible. Of course. So a few days later, and then it's like too much information. She calls me back and she's like, can we talk? And I'm like, yes. She goes, so I went home and I talked to my 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 husband and I talked to you know whatever the bride's name was and and they said that 
sometimes I'm just too mean to people and I need to be nicer. So um, if I'm nice, will you, will you do the wedding? Because my daughter really wants you to do it. And she was so sincere that I said yes. And after that, it was like a 100% pivot. It was like, do we need more stuff? Is this going to be enough food? Are, you know, I mean, everything that we're always stumbling blocks went away. They were all mm. like, should we be doing this? So sometimes, not sometimes, I think it's a duty for us in this industry, as long as it's done with grace and gentleness, to be frank and honest. Mm -hmm. Because it can turn <clears> into <throat> something like that. You know, instead of someone mad going away, you know, you can you can take a negative and turn it around and turn it into a wonderful event, which it was. So kudos to you for that. Kudos. Well, well, thank you. But I, I, I you know, I, I think a lot of us. I do appreciate that comment. Thank you. Um, I think that that almost steers us back to what we were talking about. Do you think everybody in the industry is nice? I don't just bluntly put. No, I don't. I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that. All they care about is bottom line. And I've done so many mm -hmm. parties, we won't mention for who, because some we've worked on together. But you know, when that annual party's happening again, who are the people sitting around the tables? The ones that listened to the client, produced what mm -hmm. they wanted, were nice, and did all that other, you know, things that we've been discussing here today. And you know, the ones that aren't, they're not there. Mm. They don't get, they literally don't get invited back to the table, you know? So that's loyalty, you know, that's loyalty to your client, your client loyalty to you. And um, as we all know, that's the best business you'll ever get mm. is from somebody who says, you know, call this person. They did this for me. Right. So there's no better advertising. Clearly. And it's, there's no guarantee, but going out of your way, and doing above and beyond what's expected is a great way to leave every event because yeah. even if it doesn't result in more work or anything more, you still, you still gave it your all and you can leave with a sense of pride and accomplishment. Right. And I think we're all blessed in this industry because we get literally get immediate gratification. And that's yes. not true in a lot of industries. Like you don't know what happened. I can't think of a really good example at the moment, but I mean, it's, it's obvious. You know, if you've done an event and you see all those smiles and happy people and the positive comments and all that, we're, we're lucky. We're, we're, we're lucky to, to actually get that feedback because so many people work really, really, really hard at what they do. Mm -hmm. and depending on what company they work for or other things they may never know and you know that that is unfortunate because that helps to create forward motion and passion and and a commitment to what you're doing and all kinds of other warm fuzzy smiley things mm -hmm. i want to ask you a question i i think it's important in whatever you do to do it with love and passion for me food is where it's most important. That's it's a it's a love of mine. I'm not a chef by any stretch, but I love to cook, and I love to cook because I love to give that to the people in my life. You obviously do it 
create these amazing dishes with such love and passion. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had to do it and that love and passion isn't there? And can you taste when you're experiencing somebody else's cuisine? Can you taste when the love and passion isn't there? Um, you hit a nail on the head. I totally believe that. It's something I tell people who aren't, you know, I mean, they're cooks or they're afraid to make something. I said, food knows when you're afraid of it and it will misbehave. It will misbehave. So there, you have to have a certain confidence level. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, there's a certain amount of skill sets and all that other stuff. But I think if you're an angry, having a bad day or angry or energy is around us, everything, you know, in our, mm -hmm. our world, um, there's a hum to it. You know, the hum that you, when you pull a carrot out of a, a garden and eat it then, it's that's less of the hum than the one on the shelf that's been there a week. So um, absolutely 100%, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it is, it, it is common, it's, it's like a meditation, but it's also, like you say, it's a gift of love. And if the gift of love is thinking of, you know, and I'm applying this not only to dinner parties and things, we, we have these things we call triple L's, long lingering lunches. So they come over at three and most of them last like eight hours, six hours. <laughs> wow. That okay. is a the long record, lunch. The record's nine and a half hours. Oh, that's nice. a dream for me. That's there's, a there's, dream. Yeah. There's no time spent at the table. There really, really isn't. And um, unfortunately, I think we, we're, we're losing a lot of that. But, but shopping, well, first thinking about who's coming, whether it's mm -hmm. business or, or pleasure, well, both should be the same. And, and thinking about the people coming, okay, what can I make that they're going to love? Then the act of shopping for that, the fact that you are walking and picking up that perfect peach or that wonderful cheese or whatever it is, and you bring it home and you've got some music on or whatever you're doing. And then the whole thing is just a, a really joyous thing to put love into that food. And, you know, I mean, some people may be rolling their eyes, but that's a lot different than being like an angry chef and yelling mm -hmm. at people, throwing things around. I mean, thank God those days, I mean, for the most part are gone away, but then you have food with no love and you just, you're eating anger, you know? So yeah, you're a hundred percent. I agree with you on that. Absolutely. Hands down. Well, I'm speechless <laughs> thinking about that in itself and the, the love that, transfers through the food to your taste buds i wonder now if i ever tasted the love in food or if well, I'm i hope you have of. oh i hope you have i hope you have well hint, i don't hint. Hint, I hint. alex I has cooked for you i have alex cooked has. for you yes and, and that was Tasty. Versus the dried chives now. <laughs> That's right. There were no dried chives at all. No, none, like zero. That. It was delicious. It wouldn't be delicious. Delicious. I just don't know that I'm I'm capable of tasting the love. I have to I have to start, you know, licking my lips for the love and well, it's trying it's, to taste. It's, it's it's in a way it's mindfulness. You know, um, mindfulness is like we were talking earlier about being in that moment. Because so often, you know, people sit in front of the TV and just shovel food in their mouth. And then, I mean, the, 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 what's that about, you know? So, but to take 
a bite, close your eyes and just be there. Be in that moment when you're eating it. It completely changes the dynamic. Mm -hmm. It doesn't become sustenance. It becomes an experience. Right. And, um, you know, someone, someone more often than not, because this probably spent a lot of time making that. So mm -hmm. being mindful as you eat is, is I think, a, a good thing. I get mad at myself when, when I realize that I'm not really paying attention to what I eat. I mean, mm -hmm. I eat once a day. I have one, I eat one dinner a day. Unless it's, unless it's some special occasion or we're going out to lunch or something. So that way for me, it's even more important because that, that literally is, that's the plate of food I'm going to eat that day. And one thing with COVID, which I think all of us can agree, and this is one, one of the reasons so many people in our industry are having problems with labor and things like that. I know so many people who have transitioned out of kitchens and things like that because they realize, especially as being a chef, where I, I'm guilty. I mean, I told my daughter next weekend, next Christmas, next birthday next everything and then she grew up and has kids so you know I, I mean that's the only guilt that I have so I try to make it up with with my grandchildren but the fact that you're in an industry that is really really hard and it's um what's the word I'm looking for you know if, if you're a line cook earning I don't know what they're paying these days I, I really don't I know they're paying more than they were but or chef where you're literally there 24 7 and then COVID comes along and yeah, there's sacrifices made, but then you maybe learn, in my case, I, I it helped me learn the value of a dollar again, but also allowed me to realize something that I, you know, really made a big effort over the last many years at that time for yourself, time for your family and, and, and making yourself the project. When we started talking about projects. Like I, I, I just made myself the project because I didn't have any work. So then um, there's this, there's a quantum shift. Sure, it happens on a small section where some life change happens and it changes your life to such a point where you're, you're, you're forced to realize what it's like to spend time with family and friends for whatever reason it may be. But when it happens on Moss where you, you literally have a planet, a, 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 the States, whatever, and all these people went, wait, what am I doing? What, what, what the hell am I doing? I'm in this crazy rat race. You know, I'm saving up to retire. You know, I might die before I retire. And then I'm, you know, too old to do the things I want to do. And I think that's the good thing that came out of COVID. I agree. I really, really do. You know, because in the beginning, it was like, oh, you know, it's only going to last a little bit. You know, I'm going to read books and hang out. And then one thing led to another and then i realized wait let's 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 look at this in a different a, a different way you know no i don't have any income <laughs> i had to sell a like, 69 gto which, no. which was classic classic car you know but no. i'm okay i'm totally fine with it because it gave us the money you know that we needed but it was just a material thing and i miss it right. of course but you know it's it's a it's a thing so what I ended up doing was I'm like, it's like playing ball or something. And if you don't practice every day or practice, you're just not going to do that well. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to make restaurant type food for my wife. 
this is before any of us were having like our picnics six feet away from each other and stuff. And I continued to do that all through COVID, you know, because I wanted to be on my game. And uh, the same thing happened with, um, with Middle Eastern food. I mean, I knew how to make some things, but it wasn't anything I'd gone a deep dive down. But I did, this, I did the exact same thing. It's just, I watch videos, I bought books, I bought ingredients. And uh, now I'm really comfortable with that kind of cuisine. Mm. You know, I mean, and especially for Southern California, these, these sort of days, I mean, what, what better food can you eat, you know? And it's good for you. It's good well, for you and it's, it's delicious. It's on every delicious. It's on every doctor's yes. uh, prescription pad, Mediterranean diet. Yeah, plant-based, Mediterranean. Yeah, it's on every yeah. So you won't think I'm a total nerd when I say this, but when I eat food that is so good and I can taste the love, I'm in a restaurant, I will start to cry. And my friends, my ex-husband sees it, you know, my best friend, she'll, I'll take a bite of something and my eyes will close yes. and I'll just, and then I'll open up and tears will start coming down. And she'll like, I don't even need to ask you if it's good. Yeah. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing, isn't it? Oh, it's like, we were, it really is. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I, I, eat um, I had a lot of Japanese food, uh, yeah. Probably fifty percent of the food I eat out is Japanese food because I think not only is it really healthy, but it was great. And you know, on one of the many trips over to um, Japan with Shahomi, um, we ate at so many. I did so much research. I mean, I even found this one restaurant specialized in rice. The rice was the main thing. Wow! And then you ordered little things to go with it. And at the end, you know, you take the green tea and you mix it in with the, whatever mm -hmm. rice is left. Heaven. But we found this, we ended up a lot of just amazing places, but she still makes fun of this um, to me because this this sushi bar, tiny little, you know, like 10 seeds or something. Yeah, like the that. holes, the holes and, in the walls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so minimalist and everybody's nice and quiet. I mean, it's like, literally going to church or something mm -hmm. you know and the correct way to eat it and all these other things and there's so many rules over there but i found myself doing exactly what you you do because i do it all the time and it's funny because you know the chef was kind of like because i just sit there like my eyes closed eating it and then they have a conversation in japanese and you know, there's, there's so many wonderful chefs that i've met over that by just simply appreciating their food to that degree that you form a, a bond you know there was this yakitori place that i went to that a, a japanese friend of mine over there she'd been going there for 20 years and the guy had been standing behind that that robota you know grill mm -hmm. for 35 years and he was known as the grumpy chef even my friend said he gets mad at people because he can see because it's not a big place like so many over there so he literally is watching like, what are you putting togarashi on that? Are you putting da 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 on this? And he'll yell at him. And sometimes she, she, she said, she's even kicked people out. He's kicked people wow. out, right? And, that, and he can do that because his food was so good. He's now retired, sadly. Um, but it's funny because I'm, I'm sitting there with my friend and they had, oh, I, I think probably seven courses and you don't have to have the sashimi chicken over mm -hmm. there 
so it's raw chicken, but it's perfectly fine to eat. And, um, you know, I ordered everything. And it was the same thing. I just sat there and eventually, and you having lived there, you know what this is like. So the, my friend's like, he's really getting along with you. Cause we're like, she's translating. We're chit chatting about this, that, and the other. She's like, I'm really jealous. I've been coming here for 20 years and he's never said a word to me. <laughs> and you know, you never do this in Japan. So I got up at the end of the night and went over to the side of his, you know, where he's, he's cooking. And he's like, so I'm behind the line, you know, and, he, and um, I went to just, you know, give him, give him one of those bows. Mm -hmm. And then we had, we had a hug and you do not do that. No, it does not happen very often. And when it does, it's an honor. It's an honor. And it's, it's, it's so invasive to just think, you know, mm -hmm. you know, Americans and other different societies are all about hugging and kissing each other and stuff. That's just not the way it works over there. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially with someone you don't know, you would never, ever, ever, ever do that. So uh, every time I went back, in fact, we went back that same trip, we went back, I think once or twice. But every year we go back, I would always go there. And so one time we're, we're sitting in the back, you know, of the restaurant and he's like, oh, Andusan. He's like waving, you know, and, and, you know, again, my Japanese is just pathetic. So he's like, so he, he literally takes the people sitting in front of him and kicks them out he said, you sit over there because because we're going to sit here. So he made, the move, he made the move. <laughs> I love that. Oh, oh, well, wow. they'll get over it. They'll yeah, get over, I got over it. Yeah. I have to ask you, did you ever have fuhu? I never got to have it when I was over there. I've had it several times. It's really, really interesting. The, the, it's almost like an electrical kind of feeling in your mouth. And the fish is good. I mean, I've tried it. I mean, would I eat it again? Maybe. Is it worth the risk? I think you definitely need to go somewhere where they know what they're doing. But oh, yeah. The licensing over there for that is serious. Yeah. I mean, if you, if it's expensive, at, too. It's not it's something you, anybody can just afford. No, no, no. It's it's quite expensive. And the, you know, the, I mean, when you think that the in a, a sushi restaurant, like a like classic, like super real, mm -hmm. real sushi restaurant, you could work there for six years making rice and stuff. But we actually do a lot of stuff even before you get to touch the rice but you could be there six years before you even touch any fish mm -hmm. you know because that's another thing i absolutely love about the japanese they will spend their life trying to obtain perfection for something but at the same time realizing it's impossible to obtain perfection mm -hmm. but they just keep doing it anyway like there's a place over there and I'm blanking on the name that does pizza. It's the most insane pizza I've ever eaten in my life. I wish I could remember the name, you know, because all they, all this person has done is spend all this time, just like myopic kind of focus, the focus level on, on this type of item or dish, dish, well, dish or, or, you know, whatever it may be, you know, it could be, making soy sauce it could be making anything you know it's it's just a beautiful thing to see it, re it really is mm. that kind of commitment to the crop you know
So, Andrew, I, I um, feel like we need to get to the nitty gritty, which is to ask you what we call our Bolotified Five. <gasps> the Bolotified Five. I wrote Good questions down. Yes, you did. If I wrote uh, sure. Oh, you should be sure all the well, time. Well, no, I am sure, but I mean, I like to be prepared. Oh. Chance favors the prepared mind. That's true. So it is opportunity. Yeah. What is your golden rule? Okay, this 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 is this is absolutely something I believe in. I I never compromise anything. You know, when there's been slumps in the market and things like that, and I think it's so harmful for anyone in our industry just to start slashing prices to get the business. Mm -hmm. Because once you do that, it's virtually impossible to get them back up again to where they need to be, where you can make a, make a living doing it. And I, I saw, I've seen that happen numerous times in my career mm -hmm. where it's like, you, I, I even tried to form a consortium at one point where it wasn't like a consortium, but bring in, you know, X amount of caterers and have, have a frank conversation with them and said, look, if you guys keep all doing this, you're just going to make your, all, all your business go down. We need to like, you know, it's like a, I think it's a indigenous people saying, alone our fingers, alone our tribes like fingers on a hand. Together we gather to make a powerful fist. Mm -hmm. It's true. So once the bottom goes out of the market, we only have ourselves to blame. Right. And um, there's just things I won't buy, I won't serve, and I don't want to have anything to do with. I don't want to give my dollar to that person. I think who you give your dollar to, you're, you're voting with that dollar. So yep. if, you're, if you're giving your GMO dollar to like, you know, Monsanto, then that's who you want to have around and good for you, you know? So, and then, um, so that was one. And then what was the other one you asked me? Well, what is one of the daily habits you have that you strongly? Oh yeah. The daily habit. Believe contributes to your success. Um, well, some of we talked about, Mm -hmm. or in a deep and sincere passion for what I do. I would and do it if I didn't get paid. I mean, clearly I need to get paid, but I'm, I'm so blessed that I do what I simply love doing. And I know people say that, but I, there's a lot of people out there that hate what they do and have to get up every day and go and do it because they need the money, you know? Right. And so I, I'm, I'm blessed for that. And I, we, we talked about going down the rabbit holes. I mean, that's something I do almost daily. And what and do you then, tell yourself when nobody's listening? Um, well, one other thing I was going to say just on the first part was that the, the meditate every morning mm -hmm. is an absolute necessity. Uh, How long do you meditate so, in the morning? Um, it depends. You know, it depends on my schedule, but I usually try to devote at least 45 minutes to an hour. And then sometimes if for some reason, you know, I couldn't get in in the morning, I'll carve out some afternoon time and do it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's like anything that becomes a habit. If you do the same thing, good, bad, or different, you do it every day for 21 days. You just, you just got a habit. Mm -hmm. Do it for 20, 21 days, you know? Um, and then this one, I didn't really have an answer when no one's listening. I said, there's too many things to list. I have one of those brains that has a hard time shutting down. <laughs> it's then, I, I, you know, it's like, it just never really turns off, you know, like I think of things in the middle of the night and write stuff down and things like that. So, 
Uh, you're constantly talking to yourself. Constantly talking to me. Yeah. And I, you know, some people say, oh, that's bad. Yeah. But I think that's when the meditation thing comes in. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's hard to turn off. It's really, it's, I, I'm, I'm, another reason I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I'm always looking at like, how, how could we do this differently? Or I wonder what would happen if we did this and, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Curiosity, huh? Yeah. Curiosity. I, I, yeah. My father was, um, super intelligent in fact his neighbors called him mr google um you know amazing man unfortunately lost him a few years ago but i've always had a thirst for not for knowledge when i moved to the states emigrated um you know i i'd started school at four in england i mean like school like in a uniform going to school school and uh we came to the states and all the classes except for american history i already knew you know and i don't mean any other way that i'm saying it so i went this before they had any accelerated classes or anything but i went to all my teachers and i said is there anything else you can give me to learn you know the only person did was my history teacher and he just kept giving me books and that's why i love history i just absolutely love history because he gave me books you know where did so, you go to school um here in the states or over mm -hmm. there no here I went to Point Loma for a little bit, and then they did this experimental school where they took all the people that didn't fit in anywhere. So there was like, I think from gang members to smarty pants to just a, a whole myriad of people that were, I, you know, I, I called it, it was called John Muir was the name of the school, mm -hmm. but I, I, I refer to it as John, the John Muir School for Troubled Children. But all the teachers were hippies. The classes, I, I had my own radio station that broadcast, broadcast one block. One of my one of my classes was meditation. Um, another one was like um, acting. And um, they were just a bunch of hippies. And I'm still in touch with some of those people today. And every single one of them are like poets and philosophers and, you know, all that. So that they used to call them a free school in those days. But I think that kind of education pattern, the way the way we teach people to learn, I think is completely wrong. I agree. I mean, it's more like a Socratic dialogue, you know, where you involve people in what you're doing. It's a great way to learn because you have, say, six people that are all, I don't say experts in their field. They're preferably different. Right. And then you have a well-informed moderator who is talking about the subject matter and they're hearing things from these different people on this proverbial panel. I picture as a circle. It's a great way to learn because it makes you learn through being involved rather than just multiple choice questions, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that. It's funny because um, it was one of Michael Moore's movies that really hit me. It's like, I can't remember the name of it, but they were talking about how I believe it was Denmark that their kids' scores were terrible, that they're parallel, similar to what was going on in America. And then they realized, you know what? Kids need to play. Yeah. I and remember people, that movie. It, it was brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. It's like conquering. I'm, I'm so, oh, yeah. If we think of it, we should, we should let your, your viewership or listenership know about it because it, it was, it was so, um, 
not sobering, but it was so, um, in, I don't know, I'm having a problem with the words, but in the end, he's like, you know where most of these ideas came from originally? America. And we're not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? So you see that we were you're talking about the whole decisiveness in our society. I mean, that that is deeply, deeply troubling. Is this uh, where to invade? Go ahead. I just, I mean, we've gone so far down that. That's not something that we're going to turn around anytime soon. I mean, it could break the back of this country. Um, and um, there's so much hate and anger out there. I just, I, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's troubling. It's deeply, deeply troubling, you know? Which is, which, list. which actually brings to mind my next question, which is what change you'd like to see in, in the world today? I would like to see, well, I mean, it's overly simplified. I, I just think people should be nicer to each other and, and start working for the collective good of all of us, not just go out and take as much as you can. You know, I mean, when you look at some of these CEOs and what they're making and then what they're, they're paying some of the people lower on the food chain, as it were, I, I was obscene and it's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you've got, how, how much money do you really need? I mean, you've got $200 billion. You know what you could do with that? You could change the world or change our country or, or do what people did more. They do it today, but I don't think they did as much as they used to you know, subsidize school, you know, pay for a lunch program for 3,000 children or the entire state of Georgia, get education back up, you know, 30 years of neglect in education. I think that's one of the things amongst the deep-rooted racism and horrible elements like that, that have been given permission to come out of the earth, like, you know, like those cicadas or whatever that come out every 15 years and they're everywhere. But um, yeah, it's I, I it's it's a it's me a hard thing to turn around. It's a long road home. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So Just, what is your why, Andrew? What keeps you motivated? What keeps you motivated? My why? Oh, oh, because it's it's stuff that we talked about. Really, it's it's what sparks joy. You know, what having hospitality in my my life, and uh, being a person who thrives on on making people happy. And, and, and things we've talked about, you know, cooking and giving love and um, and, and Heidi. Actually this, we we didn't even really talk about Heidi and Heidi. Heidi, oh, without a doubt, Heidi's amazing. She's the most disciplined disciplined person I know because she, I mean, she's a creative director, but she's also an equestrian. She gets up at five thirty every single day, unless we're out of town, and goes to the barn. I mean, that's her. That's her. Uh, that's her meditation. That's her right. meditation, and she's really, really good at it. And she's been doing it since she's five years old. Her, her horse is called Vespa, and it is a gorgeous animal. It. And you know, I just look at some of the videos that she takes in the morning, like walking on a trail, like when we get all the rain, all the flowers were out, mm-hmm. and I could totally relate. I unfortunately didn't have a very good experience with horses as a child in England, so I, I sort of. Give him a wide berth a bit, although I, I, I could ride, but nothing like her. So that, that sparks joy to see, to see that relationship of her with an animal like that. And she, she literally is like, 
I always make fun of her like this. It's because it's like one of those Disney movies where the little blue birds fly around the head and then the little the little Bambies and all the little animals. Right. Come I love that. That's her. We were, I swear, we were in Mexico at this tiny little town one time. And I know we're probably reaching the end of where we need to be, but we were just walking down the street and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm not making this up. This is, this is literally exactly how it went down. All of a sudden, this mangy dog starts following her. And she's like one of those people that gets down there and scratching it. And I'm like, oh my God, Heidi, I think that, that dog has mange or something. She's like, ah. And then, um, then another one came, and, and some of this I am made, this part I'm kind of making up, like had three legs, you know, and then, you know, another one comes with a weeping eye and a hump, you know, before we knew it, had like four or five dogs following her to the point where they're literally following us all over this town. So we, the only way to get rid of it was we ducked into this restaurant. I think we had a drink or something and then snuck out the back door because they all were sitting on the on the front of the restaurant waiting for it to come out. Wow. Yeah, it's it really is amazing. I've, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I just think there's whispers out there, and she's one yeah. of them. She's a whisper. She's a beautiful lady. Yeah. And you are a beautiful Jen. Yes. Thank, thank you, you so much for You're joining welcome. us today for this incredible edition of the show, full of fabulous, deliciously uh, made with love tips for our audience thank no, you so a, it was a it was a joy and i i really really appreciate the opportunity to be invited on i was like oh they want to talk to me and uh so yeah it's good thank you it's great and hopefully well we'll be in touch for sure yeah we need to get together yes all and right my friend thank you thank Alan. you so much thank, thank you so lovely meeting you thank you yeah, take care Hey, thank you for listening to Belotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Belotified is a production of Belotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Belotta. Stay engaging. <laughs>